It is good to be with you this evening. Greetings from Lebanon Christian Reformed Church, the little church west of town, out in the country. We share a worship and a love for the same God, the same Savior, the same salvation, and we seek the same kingdom of God with you. Remember us as we remember you. We're here to hear, hear God's word tonight. Let's prepare by asking God to prepare our hearts to receive what he has for us. Our great God in heaven, the God who has revealed himself to us in the creation you have made, the God whose image you have made us to represent, the God who has spoken to us in this inspired word before us, the God who has revealed to us our Lord Jesus Christ and in him our salvation. To you, our God, we ask now for the work of your Holy Spirit to open our minds and hearts to receive the things, to understand the things, to believe the things, and to obey the things that you have revealed to us. We ask for that help now, we pray, in Jesus' name, amen. A few weeks back, the last time that I was here, we took a look at another aspect of the Belgian Confession, Article 1, and I had a series of sermons, actually, on different attributes of God, and I'm going to continue that series this evening. We'll be thinking about our belief in the invisible God. And as we read now Romans 1, verses 16 through 25, I want you to notice in that passage the references to the invisible God revealing himself to us and the invisible God calling us to believe in him. So God revealing himself and God calling us to faith. Romans 1, beginning at verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who has faith, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed through faith, for faith. As it is written, the one who is righteous will live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and wickedness of those who by their wickedness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. Ever since the creation of the world, his eternal power and divine nature, invisible though they are, have been understood and seen through the things he has made. So they are without excuse, for, through, for though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they came, became futile in their thinking, and their senseless minds were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools, and they exchanged the glory of the immortal God 
or images resembling a mortal human being or birds or four-footed animals or reptiles. Therefore God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the degrading of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And this is what we are taught to confess in the words of the Belgian Confession. Again, Article 1, as last time I was with you, we confessed together, saying together, we all believe in our hearts and confess with our mouths that there is a single and simple spiritual being whom we call God, eternal, incomprehensible, invisible, unchangeable, infinite, almighty, completely wise, just, and good, and the overflowing source of all good. My brothers and sisters in Christ, we believe in the invisible God, and by saying that, by confessing that, we are saying once again, as with some of the other attributes of God that we confess, that God is different. God is different than we are. God is not made up of molecules and atoms. God is not made up of the dust of the ground. God is not made up of the stuff of creation. The creation is distinct from the Creator. When we say God is invisible, of course we are saying that we cannot see God. But it's also a reminder that God is separate from us, different from us. God's nature is different from us. Our nature is creation. We are created. We are made by God. God is spirit. The divine nature is different, and he is not subject to the same qualities as the stuff that he's made. God is different than creation, but God does reveal himself to us. God called Moses to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt through the Red Sea, which the Lord parted, to a place, to a mountain, to Sinai. It was on this mountain that God had first revealed himself to Moses alone when he was a shepherd, as a fire in a burning bush, as a voice calling to Moses to come close to hear that call and charge to be the one to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt. God appeared as fire. God's voice spoke to Moses. And now again on Sinai, as they draw near to the mountain but not touching it, again fire appears on Mount Sinai. And smoke boils off the top of the mountain. And now God's voice comes not in in a way that's close and personal, but God's voice thunders and overwhelms the people of Israel. God speaks the Ten Commandments. 
And by the time the Lord gets to number 10, the people are terrified. They're overwhelmed. They're on their faces. They cannot take the revelation of God. Now, they would not say that God is fire. They would not say that God is smoke. But God is revealing His presence in this thunderous volcano that they're seeing on top of Mount Sinai. It was too much. It was too much. So the people of Israel, first of all, in their, in their fear, they, 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 they did not want to, they could not listen to another word of the overwhelming revelation of God, this holy God. So the people of Israel said, you know what, we have a good idea. How about you, Moses? You, you go up that mountain. You visit with God and, and let God speak to us through you. You bring down from that mountain whatever it is that God wants to know. But we cannot bear to hear another word from the Lord or we will die. I wonder if Moses thought that was a good idea. You ever wonder that? What did Moses think of going up that mountain with all of that fire and smoke and thunder? But you remember, he went up there. And while he was gone, and he was gone, and he was gone, 40 days and 40 nights passed, and they wondered is Moses ever coming back? What's happened to him? The people of Israel turned to Aaron. And they said to Aaron, Make us gods to worship. Isn't that strange? And Aaron shaped a golden calf out of the treasures that they had received as plunder from Egypt when the Egyptians had sent them on their way. Isn't that strange? That only 40 days after hearing this overwhelming voice from the top of this mountain and seeing the smoke and the fire, that now they were ready to turn to a visible representation of God. Something they could see and touch. Of course, they were condemned for this. Moses came down the mountain. Joshua hears the, the, the sound of, of this, this revel, revelry taking place around this golden calf, this idolatrous worship service. And Moses took the two tablets of the covenant inscribed by the finger of God and he smashed them at the base of the mountain because the people of Israel like these tablets now had broken the covenant God made with them. Moses returns. The Lord gives those commandments again. People of Israel are condemned for their idolatry. Some of them were punished by death. Moses is up on the mountain again. Remember? 
receives all of the law. He receives the charge from the Lord to lead the people of Israel from this place eventually through the wilderness to the land of Canaan, the land of promise. And then Moses had a request. Lord, you have called me to lead this people. You have called me to be your representative to them. If they don't listen to you, Lord, how in the world do you expect that they are going to listen to me and to follow me? I have something to ask of you, Lord. I want to see something too. I want to see something of the invisible God. I want you to show me your glory. Whatever that is. And the Lord said, No. No. No one, says the Lord, may see my face and live. There is a barrier between the Creator and the creature, certainly between the holy and the sinful. But even the angels in heaven, in the presence of God, cover their faces and their feet with their wings. You can't see my face and live. The righteous live by faith. The invisible God makes faith hard. We can't see Him. God's invisibility to us is a mystery to us. You ever wonder what God looks like? You ever wonder why God doesn't show Himself to you so that you could be convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt? You ever doubt in your faith? Beyond a shadow of a doubt that God is a God to love, to trust, and to obey. If we could just see Him, even Moses wanted to see Him. Why can't we see Him? And the invisibility of of God is not only something that becomes a mystery to us. We wonder and and we, we think it would be easier. We know it would be easier if we could just see God, if we could just be convinced with our eyes of God's reality. He's invisible. But it's more than a mystery. It's not just that we want to know God is there. We need to know God is there. We need to know God is there. Job wrestled with that. 
God was not a, a, a curiosity to Job. Knowing that God was there was, was a necessity to Job because Job was suffering all of this unwelcomed and unfair misery that had come into his life. He had lost everything. He lost his property. He lost his family. He lost his health. He lost the esteem of his friends. He lost the respect of his wife. He lost everything, and he's looking for God. And it's not just that he wants to know who God is, but Job needs to know who God is, and so do we. Let me paraphrase for you how Job expressed this longing, this need to know God. You can find this more extensively in Job chapter 9. But listen to this. God made everything we see. God made the stars. God arranged them in the sky. God moves mountains and He walks on oceans. His wisdom is too deep to understand and His judgment is final. But I want to understand why God lets me suffer. God is so great, listen to this, God is so great, but if He'd pass by me right now, I'd never know it because God is invisible. If God would pass by me right now, I would never know it because God is invisible. How can I argue with God? How can I argue with this invisible God? How can I protest? How can I ask a simple question? God keeps Himself out of my sight. He keeps Himself out of my reach. God is my maker, and yet the very eyes that God has made cannot spot Him. And I need to know. When fog is thick, you can't see very far. And in your imagination, maybe you remember the places that buildings and trees and roads and such were before the fog shut them out of your sight. You might want to see farther than you can. When you're driving through fog, when you're driving through thick fog, You not only want to see, you need to see, to stay on the road, to stay out of the ditch, to stay out of a collision. God is invisible. He calls us to believe in Him, but it feels like, Job says it feels like we're driving in fog. How can we believe in, how can we trust this God that we can't see? And if we can't see Him, how can we understand Him? How can we trust Him? How can we follow Him? We can't see God. 
But we should remember that God does not leave Himself without a witness. God reveals Himself to us. Romans 1 talked about that tonight. God tells us that He reveals Himself to us in His creation, in the things that He has made. My wife Jan and I, a few years back, took a little hike from the parking lot up to, you know where Spirit Mound is by Vermilion? This mysterious little, little rise that comes up out of the prairie. We were walking there, and, and as you walk the path, there's a little creek between the parking lot, halfway between the parking lot and Spirit Mound. And we're crossing over the creek. You look down into the muddy creek bank, and we see these enormous footprints. The thing that left those footprints was big. We didn't see the thing that left the footprints, but we saw the footprints, and the footprints were big. I could tell by the footprints there in the mud that they were fresh, and I knew that whatever had passed through had passed through recently. I could tell that because the footprint revealed what was going on. It was a mountain lion. We never saw, never heard the mountain lion, but I know what a track looks like. In His creation, God leaves footprints and fingerprints. In creation, Romans 1 tells us that we can see the invisible qualities of God. We can see His wisdom. Marveling at how God has arranged and ordered a a creation as vast as this is and as intertwined as this is, as interdependent as it is, God is wise. God is powerful to be able by the authority of His Word to call all of this into being and to hang the stars in space. God is immense. There are billions of stars in one galaxy and there are more galaxies, listen to this, there are more galaxies of stars in the universe than there are grains of sand in all the world. Let that soak in. And God is greater still. God is loving. What creature has God made that does not find the care and support it needs to thrive and to be fruitful? God has left His footprints and fingerprints all over the stuff that He has made. We don't see Him, but we can learn who He is through His general revelation. God in His righteousness and holiness has not left Himself without a witness. Though we wander into sin, though we fall for temptation, God leaves a witness in this world. We know right from wrong.
The things that people do, that we do, that are wrong, find their consequences when we violate each other and withhold the love that, that our neighbors deserve from us. Human society and human relationships and marriages and homes and friendships and institutions fall down and break apart. God has not left himself in this world without a witness. The wrath of God is being revealed, too, against the ungodliness and wickedness of this world. How do we know God is there? By looking at what God has made by considering how God has made it and how it's ordered and put together. And you know what? God reveals something else too. Not God not only reveals Himself in creation, but God also shows us who we are. God shows us who we are. That's a bit of revelation too. Because you see, when we are confronted with the footprints and fingerprints of God, when we are when we encounter the witness of God that He is woven into the fabric of His creation, we suppress the truth. When we suppress the truth, when we don't want to see, when we don't want to see the invisible God through the visible signs that He's given us around us and within us, tells us who we are. God is telling us who we are. We are the sort of creatures who want to suppress the revelation, the truth that God is telling us about Himself. but God also opens our eyes. God can open our eyes, eyes of faith. He can open our eyes of faith to see Him, to believe in Him, to trust in Him, to once again accept His truth. And that's what Jesus did. Jesus, the Son of God, on earth told us. You wonder about tomorrow and you worry about your future. Jesus says, let me show you something. Let me show you something that I want you to recognize that God is doing. Look at the birds of the air. You work and toil and save and worry, and look at the birds, and they live and thrive and fly and eat and find shelter. And Jesus says, I want you to see something, and I want you to take it to heart, and I want you to believe in God the Father whom you can't see because of what you can see of what's going on in creation around you. If God can take care of these birds, how how will He not take care of you who are much more precious, you, listen, you of little faith, you who are, are looking at God, at the invisible God, but looking at the revelation of this invisible God through squinting eyes, you of little faith, 
God loves you more deeply than a bird. And even more. The invisible God reveals himself to us, tells us who he is in his gospel from cover to cover. From Genesis to Revelation, the gospel, the good news, the Bible, the Word of God. Yes, God reveals His wrath. But you know where He most clearly reveals His wrath is on the cross of Jesus Christ, right? If we need to see the wrath of God against sin, if we need to see what God has done with our sin, doesn't He call us to consider the cross of Jesus? We don't need to see Him. We need to learn what He has promised. We need to believe what Christ has fulfilled of those promises. And we can rest in knowing that this God who is entirely different than we are, and thank God for that, that this God who is is above and beyond all of creation, and yet the God who has made and sustains all of creation is, is also the God who has redeemed this creation from our sin and has opened our eyes and welcomes our faith in His invisible qualities by revealing His grace to us in Jesus Christ. I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who has faith, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed through faith for faith as it is written, the one who is righteous will live by faith in a God we cannot see. Let's pray to Him. Lord Jesus, we pray that You would open our eyes of faith to see the power of God around us, to see the care of the Father for us, to see the gift of the payment of our sin And to hear, open our ears too, we pray, to hear your call to believe in you, to trust in you, and to love and obey you. Forgive us when we suppress that truth. Dear God, we want and need to know you. We pray that you would make yourself known to us and help us to be grateful for that knowledge. Amen.